If I have not had a chance to meet you, I really would. So I'll be down here after service, and if you, uh, if I, if I haven't, it's just one of those things where I just feel like, man, it'd be great to make a connection. I love knowing who I'm talking to. I know almost everybody here, and um, so yeah, we are that type of church. We want to know you. We want to connect with you. I feel that our church is the friendliest congregation there is. Wouldn't you agree, congregation? Yes, we we love to connect and get to know new people and welcome them into our family. So we are in this series called Oikos. And last week we had Pastor Tom Mercer, who is from uh, High Desert Church. And he he kind of came in and just gave us this the really, like I think, pure vision of what Oikos is. And so with, with Oikos with us, we, we started the process of learning about it about maybe a year and a half ago. One of our elders had heard about it and and uh, said, hey, we really need to go check out what this church is doing. And we went up there, we met with Pastor Tom, and we got to see like how this has shaped and formed their church, right? And um, Bo, I'm just going to switch this out. I can talk about a microphone, you know that, right? <laughs> How's it? Oh, I always love my voice on this. Why do I go to this? Soikos. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> I feel like sometimes I just went to Barry White. I just love this microphone. Um, yeah, so we, we went up and met, met with them and, and really started to get the vision of Oikos and how it's transformed the church. Oikos, it's not complicated. And we're going to make it even more simple for us today. We're going to walk out with a very, very clear vision. We're going to connect with the tool that we've produced that um, will help us be accountable and stay consistent with it and, and just walk out with a real sense and a purpose of what we are called to do. Pastor Tom said something last week that stuck out to me. It was the main takeaway I got from his message, and it was uh, our purpose is our people. The people we love, the people we connect with, the people we know, that's our purpose. I think when it comes to evangelism, I, I took this class in, in Bible college, and it was called Lifestyle Evangelism, and it was all these examples of like, you know, how we live our life, and we evangelize on how we live out our life, and I think sometimes when we think of evangelism, we think it's this effort of like, okay, that person definitely looks like they're a sinner. I can tell by how they're dressed. We will go up and say, do you know Jesus? And they'll be like, yeah. And like, no, I can tell you don't. Do you, you know, it's not, it's not that. I think evangelism has been kind of carved out for a few who are bold enough to evangelize. But really, then it goes down to the very basics, which is, well, I'll just invite him to church, and then my pastor will say something, and then they'll hear the gospel. And we hope that that does happen. But those cannot be our primary ways of reaching the people around us. I think churches will struggle with being effective because we rely on maybe just, we think of evangelism as those two ways of doing that. But there's so much more to that. God has strategically placed each one of us and others in our life to share the gospel with them. I titled this message, Your Front Row. And if you have in your seat, everybody in the front of you, there is an insert, and it is a card. You can, this can be your sermon notes if you want, because I'm going to teach through this. Every, there's five steps on the back of this card that are important as we begin to enter into the Oikos principle. I felt like, man, each one of these steps are so important, we need to teach around each one of these steps to show biblically how we're called into each one of these steps. I believe this. If, if our, my title is your front row, the people in the front row of your life, Pastor Tom used that example last week, right? These are the people who are right there, right in front, who are observing your life, seeing your life, you're doing life with. God has ultimately placed these people in your life for a purpose. And you have to see it that way. You have to see that you have a mission. You have to see that you have purpose. We have to see that. We we're talking at our table group. Uh, we have these wonderful table groups. If you're not in one, you should absolutely be in one. Uh, I love our table group. We were talking about this. 
topic of like, what is it like when you, you know, share your faith, when you think about these people who are in your life. And I got to be honest, I felt convicted when I was saying it, but I felt better that everyone in my table group was saying similar things. My thing is, well, the people who I know who are close to me, the people who know me know I'm a pastor. And so if they have questions and they're like, hmm, I think I want to be a Christian. I'll talk to Ryan. That's what I actually think in my head. Is that not wrong? Is that not crazy? I think they'll just be like, you know, I got to call Ryan up. He'll know. We'll talk about it. He'll share with me. It'll show me what's up. And, but I felt kind of weird about that because there are family members that I have that I love that I know their life would be absolutely transformed by knowing the gospel. And so what I have done is I've shelved them People I know have shelved them and said, if they have questions, they'll come talk to me. They know I'm a Christian. But I felt better at my table when everyone at my table said the exact same thing. Well, like, I just feel weird because, like, my friends know. And if they know, like, they'll come talk to me. Like, here I am. I'll answer your questions. Yeah. We just wait. I don't know if you feel the same way, but our group felt the same way. So I think that's a good enough idea that a lot of believers feel that way. What Oikos does is it makes it very intentional. It puts purpose in our life. It makes us think about our loved ones in the, our front row differently. We don't just sit and wait for them to come. We are intentionally pursuing them. And in, in, in I don't mean in an aggressive way. I mean in these five steps that we're going to talk about here. But, you know, Jesus said this. He didn't say... I'm sending the harvest to the laborers. Did he say that? What did he say? I'm sending the laborers to the harvest. It's plentiful. He's sending. We don't wait for the harvest to come. We go into the harvest. That's what he's called us to. So if you have your Oikos card on the very back, there are five simple steps that we're going to teach through really quick. Step number one, list your Oikos, the people in your life your household, your family, your friends. List those people out. I have this, and it should be up on the screen, those eight to 15 people with whom we have developed, are developing, or may be developed, or, may, or maybe should develop relational equity with. Put this next graphic up on the screen, if you will. This, this is your oikos. These are their, your classmates. These are your friends. These, is, these are your family members. There are other people in your life or just kind of in your atmosphere that we are connecting with, right? These are the people we work with. This is your oikos. They are all a part of your front row. And I think sometimes we have to remember in the Bible, there are times when we will seek these people out, right? It's not always going to be someone seeking you. There are times when we will seek someone out. And, and, and I'll put it this way. Maybe it can relate to you better. Is have you ever had someone on your heart and God places them on your heart? And, and in some ways, when I feel like the Spirit is speaking to me, this is how I feel the Spirit speaks to me sometimes, is I'm bothered by something. Do you ever have that? Not that the person bothers me, but I just can't stop thinking about this person. And they're on my heart. And have you ever had that where you feel it so strongly? I've had it so many times where God has placed someone on my heart, like, you should reach out to this person. It's not because I feel guilty because I haven't reached out to them. It's not because I just think, oh, I should reach out to them. It feels different. And if you've ever had that, then you have what God is doing is he is calling you to seek this person out. Luke 19, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, and it's the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, if you don't know the background of Zacchaeus, he is a tax collector. But not only that, he's a chief tax collector. And tax collectors, biblically, you probably know this, but tax collectors in that time, in that era, Rome would recruit people from their own, the population they have taken over and recruit those people and say, listen, I want you to collect taxes for us and anything that you take extra, you can keep. And so he is the head of this extortion group who has betrayed their own people and nobody likes them. I wouldn't want to be an IRS agent, would you? Sorry if you are. 
No one's like, oh, you're in the IRS, honey. We, let's go. Like, we, we, we don't want to know you. Like, I imagine these people who have come in and, and the abuses that happen when people had nothing. They'd be like, well, you have that. I'm taking that. There was no checks and balances. They were literally like a mafia. And he's the head. And so Jesus is walking into his area of the people he's been extorting. And then he sees Jesus and says, what, what's going on? I need to see what's happening. Climbs up this tree, the famous little story. Let's go to verse 5, Zacchaeus. Hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Now, <laughs> I think we read the Bible and we just go over things pretty quickly. And we sometimes forget to put ourselves in the shoes of everyone who's there. Jesus, who everybody is trying to even just get around... And they see that he's this person for the people. All of a sudden, in the midst of this crowd, of everyone, he says, I got to go stay at your house today. Can you imagine what everybody is thinking? What would you think? He says, so hurry and come down. And, and, uh, and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they grumbled. I'm sure grumbled probably is a very toned down word. He has gone to be a guest with a man who not might be a sinner, could be a sinner. I love how, how, how uh, matter of fact, is, it, is a sinner. I'm sure this offended a lot of people. I'm sure people thought a man like this is too far gone. He's betrayed his people. I remember last week when he took everything that we had. And here he lives luxuriously, and Jesus is going to his house. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, the Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore it fourfold. Now, I believe that Luke is documenting this because this is a heart changed. You know what it was like when you changed your life. Instantly, we begin to see, and I think Zacchaeus saw, there is something bigger than just money. There is something bigger than just power. There is something greater. He now sees his finances in the right perspective. He now sees his life in the right order. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, to this oikos, since he is also a son of Abraham. Now, when Jesus is speaking, he's not speaking just to Zacchaeus. He's speaking to everyone who is listening, who says, this Zacchaeus is a turncoat. He is a traitor. He has betrayed us. He is not a son of Abraham. And Jesus says, but you are. And for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Those two words are very important. Because some you will seek, but to save the lost. And so Jesus sought him out. So many people were seeking Jesus out. I mean, Jesus sought him out. I was uh, talking with someone last week, and uh, this person watches a lot of news, which uh, it usually doesn't uplift you. Have you guys noticed that? Is it, do you feel better after you watch the news? I turned on the news last night. I never watched local news. And it was like one terrible story after another. And I was like, what? And then it was like, and this, these people are adopting lots of pets out. And I was like, what? It just felt weird. Like, this person was watching a lot of news. And they said, I, don't, I feel hopeless about the times. This is a believer. I feel hopeless about the times that we're in. It just feels like there's no hope. And in that moment, I, I just was, I just had to say it. I said, no, 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 no. You're that hope. You're that hope. You can't be hopeless. The times are, the times as bad as they may seem to you, you're that hope. You're called into the world to be light. The, 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 the outcome is good. You're that hope. We're called to seek and save the lost. Not all is lost. Jesus did this, we are called to do this. You will seek some. When you think of your list that you will write down, some of these people you will put down, you will seek. Some will actually seek you out. 
And that will be an amazing moment. There are some who you've been waiting and waiting in the wings, and they will seek you out. They will have watched your consistency. They will have seen the joy in your heart and life. They will see that no matter what has happened, you stand strong on the rock. They will watch you. They will see you. They will seek. And when the time comes, there's no one else they want to talk to but you because they see that you have been consistent and strong and loving and caring. I think there are times and moments when uh, a, a life uh, life happens and it opens a heart. You know, that was kind of, I felt like, my story. There were lots of people seeking me out. I was always like, no, 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 I don't, just leave me alone, Christian. Just back off. And there was a moment when my life, I think, got into crisis and I started having bigger thoughts than just what was in front of me. And I thought, is this what my life is about? I feel like I've chased down as much as I could, and these are dead-end roads. And I had a crisis in my life. And at that moment, I started to seek God out in the life situation. There are moments like that when that happens, and I sought out others to know more about the truth. Acts 16 is a fantastic uh, example of that. We studied this in our series in Acts, so I won't teach this thoroughly, but we have to remind ourselves of the story when we think about people on our list, there are people who will seek you out and waiting for the believer to stand with them. Paul is taken into prison and he is jailed. He is wrongly accused in the church of uh, Philippi and uh, for doing a good work, delivering a girl with a spirit, and he is now in prison. And he's sitting in this prison and they are not good, good little prisons. They don't have like you know, like commissary, and they don't have like TV, right? They don't have an open area where they can go jog. This is a horrible situation. And Paul is in here, and he's shackled, and in the middle of the night, all of a sudden, an angel comes, releases their chains, and this great shaking, and then the prison guard wakes up and freaks out because he feels like they're all gone. But Paul says, no, 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 we're here. By Paul doing this, he literally saved this man's life. This man would have been executed had they escaped. Such great grace, such great trust in what God's plan was. But if you go to Acts 16, 30, it says, when he brought them out, he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? There are some who will seek you out in the moment of crisis in their life, in the moment of difficulty, or in the moment of a world-shaking perspective change that, need, that they need in their life. They're looking for someone who will point them the right way. What did Paul say? Did he say, you know, the first thing you need to do is go to church. And then you, know, you got to dress differently because Christians don't look like that. Can't swear anymore. That's a no-no. Use other words like darn it. You know what I mean? Don't do that anymore. <laughs> right? Make sure that you get a Bible and then read it. And then just, you know, just wherever, just, just open it up and start reading. He did not do that, right? When that moment comes and someone comes into your life on your card that you put down there, here's what you will say, and you will say just what Paul said. And they said, uh, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Verse 32 is where everything happens, which we don't, get the con we don't get the actual words, but we get the general context. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his household. He sh they shared the gospel, the good news of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, that they now can rise. And he took them the same hour of the night, and he washed their wounds because they had been beaten. And he was baptized at once. And all, uh, and all of his family. Then he brought them into the house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. His oikos received the gospel. Because of a moment of possible crisis in his life, a situation happened and he sought it out. You will have those who seek you out and you will seek out those who are on your list. And then for probably the majority of the people you will put on your list. It will be examples of like what Paul was. We finished out uh, Acts 28 with Paul 
it's kind of a weird ending. It's like a nice wrap-up fairy tale ending. That is not how Paul's life ended. But Luke just kind of stops there. We don't know why exactly. We don't know if it was just he was writing in current time. But this is how it ends. We read this at one point. But Paul ends up being this example for wherever I find myself, I will be light. The person I'm sitting next to in class, I will be light. I didn't choose these people, but God chose me to be light in the people in my oikos. You know, I got news for you. You did not choose your family. And I know you wish you could choose differently. <laughs> Sometimes at Thanksgiving, right? When Uncle Bill starts going off, you're like, oh, why? You did not choose your family, right? There are lots of people in our work house we did not choose. You did not choose your coworkers. The person you're working with, that you just do the inward eye roll, and you're like, oh, my gosh. You did not choose your neighbors. You didn't get to interview all the neighbors first before you moved in and said, okay, we'll buy this house. You moved in, and then, then you had to deal with Betty. Like, right? You did not choose your classmates, and you definitely did not choose your barista. That's the very low end of the Oikos scale. But still, people in your, some people, the barista is very important in their life, okay? You did not choose a lot of people in your life. Paul did not choose the people he was around in Acts chapter 28. Let me read it. Acts chapter 28, 30. Paul stayed there two full years in his own rented house, under house arrest. Part of the reason I believe he did this is so he could welcome people into his life. Welcoming all who came and visited with him boldly and freely proclaiming the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now remember, Paul has someone chained to him at all times. Paul has part of Caesar's guard there because he's petitioned to Caesar. So he's waiting his trial. He's chained to a prison guard. And that guy... It's just hearing Paul all day long talk to these people who are coming in. Paul didn't choose that, but he did what he could with what he had. Paul writes about it, though. He gives us a glimpse of what happens in that little two-year period in Philippians 1.12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. <laughs> how, many of you, how many of us would be like that? from prison, chained, wrongfully accused. Listen to that. Is there a woe is me attitude in here? Paul has found himself in a very hard situation of which he could be killed, of which he is being shackled. Every time Paul has to go to the bathroom, he's shackled to someone else. Every time he has to eat, he's shackled. Every person he hugs, he's got to do a one-arm hug. Paul says, oh, man, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. That is a fantastic mentality. So that it has become known to the whole imperial guard, the praetorian guard, and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ and most of, uh, uh, most of the brothers having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment are, uh, are much more bold to speak the word. I love that. So wherever you find yourself, you didn't choose your neighbor. But I love Paul's mentality, and I'd love us to adopt that. You didn't choose your classmates. You didn't, some, you didn't choose some of your family. But wherever you find yourself, be the light that you can be. And Paul's mentality is great. This is really served to advance the gospel. Every time your neighbor blows their leaves into your yard, okay? Remember what Pastor Tom said. Your purpose is the good news to your people. Wherever you find yourself, to those who are seeking you, and to those you are seeking out. Like Zacchaeus, remember, no one on your list is too far gone. I know you might think, oh, I can't put this person down. They're gone. <laughs> Nothing is impossible with God. No one is too far gone. So, like Zacchaeus, no one is too far gone. Like the jail, people are looking for more. 
uh, who you will put on your list. And you might not know how badly they're looking. And like the Praetorian Guard, people will observe Christ's love in you. Don't think it's fruitless. Don't think it's useless. Those people on your card will be seeing you. The second step on your card, if you look at number two, is pray for your oikos. Pray daily for your oikos, that each would sense God's presence in their lives and be open to his love. This, we, we tried to make this so it could just be in your Bible. And if you don't read your Bible and it sits on the shelf, don't put this in your Bible, okay? You can put it on your refrigerator. You can take a photo and put it on your phone. You, you can put it next to your nightstand. But, but that it's something that intentionally reminds us of those we love, right? And that we're praying for them daily. That they would sense God's presence in their life. What I love about just being intentional with the people that God's given us in our life, for a lot of people... You may be praying for someone in, on your card for one year, five years, ten years. But we're intentionally praying for them and praying that God opens a door. Romans 9. Paul says this in Romans 9, and he says this in a context, if you read the whole chapter. His heart is breaking for the fact that Israel is not fully embracing Christ. They don't see Paul tries so many times to go and reach his own people, but they're not hearing. And at the end of the day, Paul is in some ways lamenting about it a little bit, but then here's what he says. Here's what he only knows to do in his current situation. This is his current solution. Brothers, my heart's desire in prayer for God, for them, is that they may be saved. That's all I got. My desire is for them, and my prayers are for them, and that's what I got. Sometimes that's the case. Where those who are just, we, we, we know, we know, we know, but they don't believe, is just, that's what you got. And so Paul is a good example here. Romans 8, Paul also writes this when talking about our hope, and, and we're praying for those, and we, we, we don't know what to pray. We don't know the magic word that we might think that will unlock their heart, which we shouldn't think that. But we don't know, but we hope and we wait and we're patient when we're praying and we're trusting that God is hearing our prayer in, in Romans 8.26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. When you're praying for those you love, you don't have to have the perfect word. You don't have to say the right thing. You just have to pray with the desire that they may be saved. Likewise, when the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us, meaning he is working on your behalf. For us with groanings too deep for words, meaning that what you can't utter, the Spirit is already there. Don't write off that people in your list are not responding or, 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 or you don't see a response from the prayer that's happening. The Spirit is interceding on your behalf. And guess who wants this person in their oikos more than you? It's God. He wants them in his house, in his family. So we pray. The Spirit, I think, helps us when we are at a loss. And there are days when you may not want to pray for that person in your oikos, but we pray. I think prayer, ultimately, if you don't know what to pray, I'll just, it's interesting because everybody prays so differently, do you not? Like when I talk to you, like you, you, I talk to you and I get a sense of how you communicate. And that's how you communicate. So I imagine when you pray, you will, you will pray similarly to this with God. If you use the word like, like, man, like, hey, hey, man, I need your help. Like, that, you may do that, right? I don't know how you pray, but I will say this, is that God knows your heart. The words don't have to be perfect. He intercedes on your behalf. But if you want to just have an idea of, a, of some ways to think about prayer for someone is pray that God open their heart. Pray that he opens their heart. That's really what needs to happen. Pray that God uses you. And pray that he maybe uses others. And 
Maybe pray that, that, that he speaks to their heart and ultimately pray that you don't lose hope because God does not. So when we pray, you may, when, you do your, when you look over your names of people, after you make your list, pray for them, and though, maybe in those areas. The third thing on here on your card, the third step, is to invest in your oikos. Uh, it's up on the screen. Watch for appropriate ways to be God's instruments as he calls them to himself to transform their lives. It's consistent investment over time. It will not probably be one big giant gesture. We kind of love to see things as like, well, I did this really big thing, and if they didn't know or feel the love of God in that, then I don't know what else to do. On to the next. It's this consistent, loving, caring ways that our eyes are open to look to invest. It's not a big gesture. Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, Jesus says, let your light shine before others so that they may be, see your good works. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Meaning this, let your light shine. Do not let your light blind, okay? Some people kind of like let it blind you. They're like, okay, yeah, 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 we're good, we're good, we're good. Don't want to talk to you for a while. Let your light just illuminate. And we will do that through looking for opportunities and ways that God has opened for us to invest in their life. It might be the text you've been putting off that you just want to say, hey, I'm thinking about you. You need anything? Can I pray for you? Hey, I, I, I'm with you on this. I want to celebrate that with you. It might be serving, volunteering in some way to help. 1 John 3.18, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but indeed in truth. We, we cannot love with our words and talk. We love indeed and we love in truth. This is how people will know that it's more than just words. It's indeed and it's in truth. You know, my deeds... When we encounter people, they need to be selfless. Jesus says, like, if you do something for somebody and, 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 and get something in return, that's not really a deed, and especially hoping to get something in return. When you do it selflessly, it's when people feel that there's something more there. Why would you do this for me? Why, why, why were you thinking about me? Why are you encouraging me? I haven't been that nice to you. Why? I think ultimately that's just uh, the beauty of actions over words. Words, they may come later though. They may want you to give language to what they're experiencing from you and you will be able to let them know more about what Christ has done in your life and what he can do in their life. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not grow weary in doing good. Meaning this. It's going to be tiresome, it will be difficult, but being intentional and investing in your oikos, it, it will be worth it. Want to know why? For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. Only God knows the timing of the season. My, my, my mother, my sweet, sweet, dear mother, she's listening right now, my sweet, wonderful, great mother, she, she, she and my, my dad got up every morning at 6 a.m. and they prayed for two hours. They were a fantastic example of dedication. And they had a list of people that they prayed for. And I was on that list because I was definitely someone who needed that prayer. <laughs> and uh, for years and years and years and years and years. And it was funny because it, it, it wasn't a breakthrough word that my mom gave me that made me change. God was working on me interceding on behalf of their prayer and working on my heart, seeking me out. And my, my, my parents eventually saw that prayer come to pass. You know, I think it's, it's one of those things that we cannot grow weary in doing good. I'm so glad the people who love me didn't just say, you know what, he's on a path. I hope he stays alive, you know. 
But in due season, you will reap if you do not give up. Three, we will invest in our oikos. Number four on your list is invite your oikos. Invite them to church regularly and and thoughtfully as God opens doors of opportunities, right? There are, I've heard people in our church say, I've been inviting this person for years. And Ryan, you've got to meet them. They finally came. Just don't, don't scare them away. You know? <laughs> don't be speaking on something really weird, right? So it, it's just a thing. But think about you when you finally got someone to come. You've been working on for a long time. And they come and you're just like, God, please let them have the experience I hope that they have, that they feel you, they connect with you, and maybe the word resonates with their heart. But invite them regularly, right? I think part of the reason why someone eventually chooses to come to church that you've been regularly inviting is because they probably are observing you. How you have maybe changed. What God has transformed in your life, watching how you speak, seeing you in circumstances that you've had to go through, watching, hearing you talk about this church family and community. One of the guys at my community group, I appreciated so much what he said uh, uh, last Wednesday at our group. He said, man, I, when you think of church, what are these wonderful things that being a, a believer brings to, to people around you? And... He said, it's, it's community, it's family. I feel that I need that in my life. Someone will hear this person say this and say, that's exactly what I've been wanting too. Why do you hang out with the wrong people? You're just looking for someone to like you when you're a teenager. You're, you scratch your head and you say, these are bad kids. And they're like, but they, they're my community. Why do people join gangs? It's community. Why do people get involved in horrible things, bad ideas, bad groups, ones that are detrimental, community? They're just searching for community. Someone might just be watching you and say, I want that in my life. And you must know that people are so desperately looking for that. Look at all the little groups that form everywhere that are lost going somewhere. And you wonder, how did you get involved in that? They're looking for community. And that's what inviting people into a church community offers them and much, much, much more. People want to belong. So invite your oikos. John 4, we know this story well. Jesus is at the, a, a well looking for water. And he's going to offer water that's very different to this woman who's at this well. And they're having this long conversation And Jesus begins to speak truths that are happening in her life prophetically, meaning that he's seen uh, what she's doing in her life, and he he tells her what she's doing, and she is blown away by this. But listen to this, (laughs) what happens after this. Verse 28, the woman left her water jar and went into the town and said, People, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? So she's experiencing something. She's having a testimony. It's on the rise. She had an encounter with Christ. And what she thinks is, you've got to see what I have seen. Everything you've been looking for, I think I just found him out by the well. Now, I don't know how credible she was. I don't know if people even liked her. Maybe they thought, like, here she goes again. I have no idea. But they are listening to her testimony. They're listening to her story. But she invites them. They went out of the town and were coming to him. Verse 39, if you skip down. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. They heard her testimony. And then they believed to explore which I think a lot of people will see within you. They're seeing your testimony. They're seeing it unravel in front of them in your oikos, and they're going, hmm, I'm curious because of what I'm seeing in you. He told them all that I ever, so he told me all that I ever did. That was her testimony. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed with them for two days. What an amazing gift they got. But they invited Christ into their oikos, 
And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, and I love this part right here. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard ourselves and we know that this is indeed the savior of the world. This, this, this is a process. We're looking at it through this story, but this is a process. There are some of those who are just open to faith because they are watching you and seeing your testimony. But there will be a point when they hear for themselves. This is why I'm inviting people into a church community. And when they experience that themselves, they will then say, I no longer am here because you invited me. I'm here because I want to be here. I, the, the other day, I, I think you're in this church right now, is that a couple that brought their mother and then their, their, they brought her and she came because of them. And then their mother ended up wanting to come to service, but they were going to be out of town. They're like, well, you're just going to go without us. And so they canceled their plans and came to the service. And they're like, you're not going without us. But she's like, I'm going on my own. They, she didn't, sorry, I know you're in here. They didn't, she didn't need you anymore. <laughs> she heard for herself. She wanted to be a part of the community. Now, I know she was a believer beforehand, but that's simply what happens. There will be moments where they are watching you and learning from you, and they're here, and you will invite them because of your equity that you've built in their life, and they're seeing your testimony, but then they will one, one day no longer be a part of the church community because of you. They're here because of what they've heard and what they believe. The last one is this, is to prepare your heart. Prepare to become a better example of faith in Christ as well as more effective witness of his grace. This is the time where we know that we will be sharing our life with others. We will be an example to others. We will be praying and intentionally reaching our oikos. And so to ask God to prepare us for this journey in our life. But listen to 2 Peter 1.5. In view of all this, right, so make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with uh, patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. I love the funnel. And what everyone will experience on those things that you are working hard towards, you are preparing yourself for what they will experience, the very bottom end of that funnel, just before verse 18, or, or, or sorry, just before that verse ends and, uh, and leads into 8, is that they will experience love, real love. When you love one another, they're going to see actually that Christ is in you. And so when you begin to Take these things seriously, your life seriously, the example that you live seriously, people will experience love. We know this. Some of you do not have children yet. Some of you have raised children, and some of you are raising them right now. And we know this is the very best thing we can do is try to be the best example that we can so they can ultimately experience a form of the love that we have for them. Right? That's why we work to be a better example, the best that we can possibly be. You're not perfect. You don't have to be perfect. Your friends will understand. Your family will understand. Your co-workers will understand when you're not perfect. But we are working hard. I love this. Make every effort. Verse 8. The more you grow like this, this is the most important part, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. The more you do this, the more you work, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be. We have to take our spiritual growth seriously because it is what will impact the influence of the people on our oikos. 2 Corinthians 5.7, last verse. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. I think I underlined a few of these. New creation, meaning this. Who you were no longer exists. And this is what people are encountering from you. They're like, whoa, you're so like, man, I remember back in the day who you were. There are times where I'll tell people a little bit about the kind of person that I was. And they're like, I can't see it. And I'm like, that's great. 
that you can't see it. Who you were no longer is. He's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I love the setup. He's reminding the people who they are and who they were and why they are now light and how light shines. It says, all this is from God and through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the, the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. God has brought you into his mission as laborers, sending you. He's given you this message of reconciliation. You all carry this message of reconciliation. All of us, we know the message of reconciliation. We know because when we met God, we experienced his reconciliation with us. And that message, that story, that testimony, your experience, the truth of the gospel is in you. And we can share that with other people because God is giving you this message of who Jesus is and what he has done. Verse 20, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. We represent Christ. When someone meets you, they're meeting a, a representative of Jesus. And you might be like, <coughs> kind of haven't been doing that so great. Okay. But, but that's okay. Make every effort, though, to continue to embrace who Jesus was and live like Jesus lived for a brighter and brighter light. It says, making, God making his appeal through us. And that's essentially what the Oikos card really is about. You are praying. You are being intentional. You are investing. You are inviting. And you are ultimately, I would say, preparing your heart because God is making his appeal through you. Sometimes I wish God would just show up and everyone would be like, we believe! Don't you? You know, when, when Adam and Eve were placed in the garden, he, he didn't just be like, okay, now you just relax. I will send grapes through the air and feed you while you lay back at him on that lion. You know what I mean? Like, it was not like this. What did he do? He gave them jobs. He gave them work. He gave them jobs. The garden to grow, to continually work. God has never been this way, and he will never be this way. He has called us to partake in his kingdom work. He will not show up and just appear, and everyone will become believers and say, oh, how did we not know? Until that final day. But he is making his appeal through us, and we implore on your behalf, of, uh, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. I wanted to teach through this card because I want us to see, like, ultimately, in each one of these steps, the vision behind each one of these. I don't know who you'll put on this list, and I don't know who God has placed on your heart to put on this list. But my prayer is that every person in our church creates a list. And every person in this church at least begins to engage in those five steps. You know, I've always said this to people and when I was recruiting them for youth ministry, and I'll say this to you now. Youth ministry, first of all, is the most difficult area to recruit for. Come hang out with kids who hate you. That's not a great recruiting tool. <laughs> Come hang out with kids who will judge you, but it's not, it's not how it is. And people are very intimidated by that. But at the end of the day, like, there, there, there is this engagement that happens is stepping out in faith and being willing to jump in. And, and, and I think it can be difficult for people to think like, man, you know, like, how do I do this? But I always tell this to the people I'm recruiting for youth. Like, you watch. You were once somebody who was just sitting in the, in the service and you were doing their Sundays. But when you begin to volunteer or when you begin to serve, and when you begin to serve, I think especially in a difficult area, watch what happens. 
your faith will just explode. The, the satisfaction you experience will just change. You, uh, in, in some ways, I don't mean this offensively at all, but you will end up burning some spiritual calories that have been accumulating because you're going to work, right? And I think when you engage and you become active and you take ownership and you invest, your faith will become more real to you. The things that you have been practicing will be put into practice. And I tell you what, there are a lot of believers. I don't think any of you because you're perfect and you're sweet and you're wonderful and beautiful. But there are some believers out there, not you at all, the other churches down the street. They <laughs> are, they really are, like, it's good that we hear, but, 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 like, that's great. But where are the spiritual calories being burnt? We're meant to engage. We were meant to garden. We were meant to be active. And your faith will come alive the more that you become intentional and you say, God, I have a purpose and it's for my people. I have a purpose to serve and God put me to work. We know this is a very basic fact that if you keep your dog locked up inside all day long and he never goes for a walk, how sad will that dog be? And we go, oh, you should never do that. But do we do it to ourselves in our faith? That's why people become like backbiting and judgmental. This is, this is why believers do this. This is why they become, you know, look at the world. Jesus, come back now. This is why, this is why, the, this is why believers do this, because they're locked up. They're not out. They're not going to work. You become so much more satisfied in your faith, and you have such a greater compassion. Jesus actually rarely ever stopped. Nor should we. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you so much for giving us this a wonderful opportunity to jump into your kingdom work. God, my prayer is that each person, as they begin to prayerfully consider who they have in their oikos, or those that they may add to their oikos, and God, I pray for this experience, this journey, God, that they are praying, they are investing, they are inviting, they are, they are preparing their hearts, God. They are getting ready. God, I pray that the fruit in due season, that we don't lose hope, but God, we experience it and we see it with our own eyes. Those who we are purposefully and intentionally making ourselves available to reach. So God, send us as laborers that we know we go to the harvest. The harvest does not come to us. But God, prepare our hearts and be ready for that season. And we thank you so much for the opportunity to share the gospel of which our whole life was changed. Like the jailer who became one of the founding members of that church in Philippi. His whole house was changed. His city was changed. God, I pray that you put that type of vision in our heart. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me this last song?